Caceres cuts it to his left. Caceres! He scores against Orlando again. Herrera. Save! Coronel guesses right. Charging forward. And his forward's onside. Romala, but down for Fabio. Fabio! Dabinia scores! What a great start for North Carolina. And of course, it's the Brazilian Dabinia to get the goal. Back into the middle, shot comes on, and North Carolina scores. Salon gets the goal. And welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. Hello there. It is the first week of July, and you know what that means. Orlando City and Orlando Pride have lost. Unfortunately, seems like clockwork for every year, except last year because they started the season in July with the MLS's back tournament. But here we are in a normal season, and we're back to kind of normal, except both teams are still pretty good, even though they lost. So, welcome into the Orlando Soccer uh, Show. Yeah, nah, this whole thing is a circle, but not a real circle, more like a freaky circle. Time being a flat circle and it being July, and we're just kind of right back to Orlando City and the pride being what they are. So we're, we're not even actually recording this live. We're just taking old audio from previous year's episodes to talk about the team in July. I mean... It, it, it literally is like a flat circle of time because I can take... you part of the turbo team! I can literally take clips from Brent Petkus from 2015 and play them and they would still be very relevant today. This is the way. Which is the wildest thing. Because again, he hasn't recorded with us since... I, I don't even know how long. Yeah, um... You know, the thing happened. <laughs> I guess the Red are like the Red Bulls aren't good, but they're also like they know how to play against City. I guess is the biggest thing to take away from that game. Yeah, uh, both losses for Orlando City have come at the hands of the New York Red Bulls. Uh, once again, a two-one scoreline this time at Exploria Stadium. Less than ideal circumstances when Antonio Carlos gets injured within the first couple minutes of the match. Um, basically, everyone is playing injured right now because they have literally everybody else injured. Kyle Smith is is playing hurt. Junior Urso is playing hurt. Antonio Carlos was trying to play hurt and then hurt himself more. It's just not great for Orlando City because they are very tested for their depth, especially over the next couple days and fucking thing sucks they just played this past weekend now they have to play tonight against the chicago fire i just get through this game get to next week and hopefully you get some players back like juan jambutinho pato you know because you're you're out without dk he's gone he's gone to the u.s men's national team for the gold cup you're without antonio carlos who's probably going to miss wednesday's game you're still without Juan and John Moutinho. It's probably still going to be without Pato for this game coming up, which means Tesha will start. And then who else are you going to be missing? You're also missing Sebas Mendez for at least one more game. He's out of the Copa America, which means he'll be back with Orlando City, but not in time for Wednesday's game, most likely. So you'll see him in the next game. Yeah, I don't think he plays tonight. No. And then Pedro Galese, they just lost to Brazil. He had a, an incredible performance against Brazil, by the way. Got to give a shout-out to Pedro. Uh, but they ended up losing one nothing, And they will be playing for the third-place game, which means he'll be gone for at least until next weekend's game. I declare... Bankruptcy! Just get through this week. You're playing against a Chicago Fire team that is bad? Question mark. They just they just beat Atlanta United three nothing. Yeah. Which means either Chicago is bad and Atlanta is worse, or Chicago is starting to get better. 
and I don't know which was which yet. Because again, Chicago right now, they're the third worst team in the league. Currently tied with Miami. I think when you look at it though, like Atlanta also hasn't been good. So no, I mean, they I were mean, also missing like a couple of starters and whatever, yeah. but to, to have Chicago fire. I, I, yeah, I totally get what you're saying there, but Atlanta, uh, not, not good. They've only won two games this year. No. Yeah. Uh, and Chicago also only won two games this year. The second being against Atlanta. Yeah. So, um, the only other team that's worse than any of those is Toronto, worst team in the league who just fired Chris Armas. And uh, we would like to remind everyone, Toronto FC, best team that Dom Dwyer has ever played for. Look at all those chickens. And that is, that is not something that we're just saying. This is actually something that Chris Armas said to reporters a couple months ago when Dom Dwyer signed. The actual tweet from Michael Singh, reporter who covers Toronto, says that Armas says Dom Dwyer spoke to the team today. And he told them that he believes this is the best team he's ever been on. That's coming from an MLS Cup champion. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! It is honestly incredible. Just, like, we all knew that that was ridiculous when he said it. We thought it was funny, and then it's even better, like, the absolute collapse that they've had since then. So, does that mean Josie's going to, like, start playing for them again? Probably. No, Dom's gonna start for them. I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, they do have a young. I mean, they they do have a young striker for their team now, who just switched his nationality over to Canada. Who then got called up for Canada's Gold Cup run? Yeah, so, so he's he ain't there. He's not. Iowakanola has just been called up. The um, literally so outside of Josie and Iowakanola, they have Dom Dwyer. And mm-hmm. Patrick Mullins. So, man, you're going to see a 4-2-2 with Dom and Josie. Or 4-4-2, I'm sorry. Will Will Josie play? I Do mean, no. His whole, gripe was, his whole gripe was with Chris Armas. Now that Chris Armas is gone, he might come back. Yeah. I mean, I say probably not, but, I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't, I don't think that bridge is burned between – him and the team but but like you said like it's just it was it was between him and armis so i mean maybe there's one guarantee in life and that there are no guarantees yeah yeah much much said it best um that's i mean man we're not we're not the Toronto soccer show so i don't really want to spend too much time thinking about it but yeah that's that's one of those things that they're, they're, they are technically Orlando's second home team because they've been playing in Orlando all season. Well, not not anymore, though. That's not uh, 100% confirmed yet. They still may be here in July. It is kind of funny, can though, because we can could just send them back to Canada. Because they can just be here and we can just point and laugh at them the, the whole time. Like, that's that's the reason why they're our home team. Is- it, it is nice that no matter what Orlando does, they are not the worst professional soccer team in Orlando right now. This is true. I mean, they are playing well, but even when they have embarrassing games, they're still not. Have the, worst. the SeaWolves technically been like contracted yet? Uh, they don't exist within the league anymore. So, oh, yes. okay. So, yes. All right. So, never mind. All right. Well, congrats, Toronto FC. You're the officially the worst professional <laughs> soccer team in Orlando right now. Yeah. Like, going back to Orlando City, like I, I kind of I. I've said it before in that a lot of these games were one goal like results and without Chris Mueller scoring that it would have been a two goal loss for a city, which I realize is like saying like if the one good thing didn't happen, then it's an entirely different result. But I kind of feel like Cassandra and all this where like, I've been kind of saying like, Hey guys, uh, I don't think city is really as good as, their record kind of indicates they are not saying like they're fraudulent or anything, but I don't, I don't think they are uh, potentially the best team in the East. Like they're, they're like, they're only three points behind the revs and the, they would have 
uh, been in first place had they not lost the Red Bulls thanks to the goal differential. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really. They they've been consistent, if not um, outstanding. I guess I would say like that's mm-hmm. that's probably that's probably where I think they're at right now. Like they've only lost two games. Like that's that's fine. Um, they're not Toronto who have lost eight. Um, so I guess that the, it could be worse, like a lot worse, but at the same time, like it could be better too. I don't know. I'm kind of like, I'm with you on that Orlando are not like top. They're not, they, I, I would not say that they are favorites, but I would honestly say that they are probably one of the, the three best teams. And I think, because one of the things we've talked about from the very beginning of the season was look at what's missing. And like you look at at this last loss, look at who was missing. We're using a backup goalkeeper. We've got guys playing hurt. Like we've got so many different things happening. And so it again, to me, it's one of those things that's just like, okay, so Orlando are doing as well as they are in spite of all of the extenuating circumstances. We've still yet to see a 100% Orlando City at any point I don't know if we will because that's the nature of sports but the idea that you can still be top a top competitor in the league despite all of those things that's what you need to be in order to win a championship in anything you have to be able to when you're not at your best still be competitive and still be doing really well and that's the thing that Orlando has in the past when Orlando has started off well Orlando has started off well because the team's been healthy, and then as soon as players are gone, whether they're injured or summer tournaments for their national teams, immediately things collapse and fall apart. And I think we've seen here that hasn't happened. This is only the second loss of the season coming to the same team, which actually I think is better than if Orlando had lost to different teams because it's really just, okay, New York's got, you know, some, they've, they've figured us out somehow, whatever. But I think it's it's a good thing to look at and go, yeah, the team's not at their strength, but they're still competitive in these games and they're winning the majority of them. And and even in losing this one, it wasn't an embarrassing, Oh God, I have to turn this off. Whereas normally by July, most people have given up on wanting to watch Orlando city. Yeah. I mean, I'd say as far as them only losing to the Red Bulls so far, like uh, Red Bulls are five, one and five. So they either win or lose. Like they don't, they just have the one draw in the year and two of their wins are against Orlando. So um, it's not, it's not the best team to lose to, I guess I would say like, Oh, I'm not saying they're the best. They're the best team to lose to. I'm just saying the fact that both losses have been to the same team. Yeah, no, no, I get, I get what you're saying there. Like that's, that's bound to happen. Like your teams get upended by teams. They should beat all the time. Like that's, that's just sports. Yeah. But um, I guess what I'm getting at there is like Red Bulls are not a good team. Like they, you take away those two wins against Orlando City, they've lost more games than they've won or drew. So, um, yeah, they're not good either. And coming into tonight's game against Chicago, Chicago's two two and seven. Like unless they manage to pull out a win against Chicago, even if they are injured, which should really be the biggest litmus test of anything I think so far this year, is how do they perform without a lot of their players um yeah i don't i don't it's not a great feeling to have you know in july when you're i mean not you're you're coming close to halfway on the season already and the the most convincing win you've had is against a, a bad um san jose team yeah, again, going going back to that whole point that we made last week, and that well, that you made last week, every game that they've had outside of the drubbings against Cincinnati and, and San Jose, San Jose. Yeah. have been one-goal games. Yeah, so, I mean, and I get it, like, if they want to play teams close, but at the same time, like, that, that just makes it easier for you to either get to drop points or get upended and lose a game 1-0, which could have happened against Atlanta. Um, They could have lost 1-0. They probably should have lost 1-0 to to Sporting Kansas City to start the year. Um, 
NYCFC got a late goal against got at a penalty that they converted. Um, there's there's some games that either should have ended nil nil or you know one nil against them, but I guess that's just one of those things that it tells you how well they respond to things. I guess I don't really know. Like it's that I mean not to I hate sounding as cliched as that, but <laughs> I mean no, but I think it's I I think it's honestly kind of similar to like watching Manchester United this last year where it's one of those like you go down often and then come back and it's like yeah this is great like this is progress instead of going down early and losing you're now going down early and either pulling a point out or or coming out with the win what we want to see in order I I think what you were getting at was saying like you don't see Orlando as as the favorite or as the best team I think in order to be that you have to not be putting yourself in those situations in the first place so I think Orlando has very clearly made progress and is very clearly better and a competitor and not a team to be taken lightly. But in order to be one of those favorites, you have to be the team that you don't go down often. You rarely ever do. And when you do, it's very easy to point out why. It's, you know, you were missing a bunch of players, something, you know, you were on a the third game in, you know, nine days, whatever. Like, there's plenty of, of things. So I think I think that's where... Orlando hasn't quite reached that level of being able to be a firm. This is an MLS Cup, con- like strong contender. Right now, it's just this team will make the playoffs and will be competitive. And if they won, we wouldn't be completely shocked. But we're also not expecting it. I think is that fair to oh, kind of say where things yeah, are at? Yeah, that's I. I completely agree with that. I think their next two games are against Chicago and Toronto. The the 22nd against Philadelphia, if they win that game by two goals, then I'm like, okay, there has been some progress that has definitely been made here. If they if they manage to win that game by more than one goal, I'll be like, all right, that's that's definitely progress. I I will be I will be convinced. I will say early part of the season cuz we're only 11 games into Orlando City season. They have a game in hand on New England. They have scored 19 goals for the majority of the season without their top two choice strikers. Because Pato was injured in game one. DK just came back and now he's gone again. So they've been having to kind of muddle through. And I'm not taking any disrespect against Techo, but he's their third choice striker right now. And he's not necessarily... The, as reliable as he has been in his past. He's not as fast as he used to be. He's not as clinical as he used to be compared to a Dike or a Pato even. Well, we haven't seen enough of Pato yet, to be fair. No, we saw a game and he didn't really... We, yeah, we saw 78 minutes of him. Yeah. That was it. Considering they've scored 19 goals without two of their first-choice strikers is a testament to how this team has been able to step up, how Nani has been able to step up, and how they've been able to figure things out on the fly and continue to win games. I'd say, yes, I agree with the attack, kind of piecing it together. But at the same end, the thing I'm more impressed with is the defense because they've only allowed nine goals in 11 games. That's the second fewest in MLS. Um, and again, if we're going back to hobbling it together, they've been mostly playing with Rodrigo and Kyle Smith back there. And that's, that's really says like how deep their defense is and how flexible they can be inserting different guys in there because those two guys aren't the first two options. And we just lost Antonio Carlos to injury, uh, pretty early in that last game. And here we are still like looking at a pretty solid, you know, goal differential and, and really sort of having the, again, figure it out as they go along. So I'm not too worried about the defense. It's the offense because again, I think, I think we've only just now sort of seen Chris Mueller maybe turn the corner and really find his form. He scored, he has four points in the last four games, two goals and two assists at which uh, the previous nine games, he only had two points in and that was just two assists. So I think you can certainly say he's, I think he's definitely finding his form in a bit better now. But there are other guys there, Mauricio Pereira being the, the, the first name that comes to mind, a guy who really sort of, I think, needs to figure it out. And that I'm not even talking about the missed penalty that he that he had against the Red Bulls there, but 
he's he just has not looked the way he, he did back in last year it's it's been pretty noticeable that he has not had that sort, same sort of form and creativity in the middle there to generate the attack really yeah the thing with Mauricio is he's also been another player that has has been injured which yeah sure i mean but the games he he has been playing in and and has been available for like he just it, he just hasn't found his form yet either. Like, I, I mean, if we're going to be as patient with Chris get, getting into the season, I think it's you know one of those things that Mauricio also has been kind of taking his time getting in the form with. I think with Mauricio, he like he had that assist to to Chris in the last game, which was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that teams have realized that everything goes through him. And they're basically just trying as much as they can, like the Red Bulls especially, to mark the middle portion of the field out of Orlando's game. They want Orlando to play through their wings and cross balls into the box because they know they don't have anybody that's going to win headers for them necessarily. Like DK would be the one, but they did a pretty good job marking him throughout most of the game. But I mean, if he's going to be the the 10 playing in that role, like he kind of has to know what's coming in that right but if you keep the ball off his feet it allows everybody else to beat you so as soon as as soon as Mauricio gets the ball for the last couple games they sent two players after him and pushed him to get rid of the ball so he touches it pushes it away or loses the ball and if you allow anybody else to try and beat you like they've overloaded whatever side the ball has been on and then as soon as the ball switches there's plenty of space on the opposite side which is how chris has been finding his form because right once he's once he's unmarked then he can just do whatever he needs to do to get a goal generated yes but it's all about adaptability for this team to be able to go from playing through the midfield playing through mauricio to you know playing through what the defense is giving you that's really the big thing yeah, which I mean, again, that's not a. But I mean, that's not an uncommon problem to, to to encounter, though. I mean, there there are number there are number tens who face that repeatedly throughout the year. Right. So whether it's you know finding a way to make yourself available off the ball and sort of being able to find space and find room that way, and I, like I don't know, like it's just one of those issues that. You, it's it's easy to say like he needs to do better and not provide a solution for it but it's also one of those things where it's like there are ways there are ways that guys who play in that create like play in the middle and they're able to create and they still sort of encounter that double team that happens either you you the guys who are moving off the ball find their way in and it forces them to be a bit more defensive on it, which I think early on it was easy because Chris just really wasn't doing anything. Like he, like I said, he had two points in the first nine games of the season. Um, I'm sorry, uh, not nine games, seven games of the season. Um, and now that he's actually scored repeatedly, like he averaging a point a game for the last four games, the teams are going to have to start marking him more. So I guess that that might open up Mauricio to not face a double team every time he gets the ball now like if you if you have a guy if you have a guy that you have to respect that if he's gonna if you're gonna leave him uncovered there's a good chance he's gonna score then you can't really do that right and and having a guy like nani and a guy like chris on the wings that you have to respect a bit more no yeah they're they're actually scoring goals it creates problems for the defense but i think that the opposing teams will pick their poison knowing that there's multiple players that can beat you. Mauricio is not a guy that will beat you by scoring, but he'll beat you but by setting facil- up those yeah. scores. Finding the finding the guy who is going to score is what you really want Mauricio to do. He's not going to mm-hmm. he's not going to score a lot on his own. Right. But he'll generate plays that will produce goals. And that's Sure. Just it's as it's, bad. A, it's a matter of it's a matter of choosing to mark out the playmaker or mark out the goal scorers. Which I mean, you definitely want to mark out the playmaker because other how else is the the scorer going to score if he doesn't have a guy facilitating to him 
Like mm-hmm. he's not, they're not going to be able to, to carry it all. And that's why some of against Miami, really, you saw them trying to hit those long balls over top just so that they would hit, you know, Nani or whoever else was going to be up top to score. Like that seemed to be what the main strategy was for a while there. Cause they were just weren't getting anything through the middle. Yeah. And so once, once teams sort of figured them out in that way, then there's just not, they're not going to be able to, to work until they start scoring and being able to, to either work their way along the wings or, you know, beat them through the middle. So it's, it's, it's definitely a chicken or the egg kind of situation, which you were kind of saying there, like, do you, how, how are you going to pick your poison? So I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where like the get, they just have to sort of figure it out as far as creativity and how they, how they're, they're facilitating the ball around. All right. Well, we can spend a lot of time talking about what could or couldn't be with Orlando city. Um, the big thing is with Chicago tonight, they have a chance to pick up points against a team that is arguably not good. (laughs) Then they have a bit of time to actually rest and recuperate and get some, some injured bodies healthy. Cause until, yeah. Cause then they run into a, a run of games, like in very short succession again. Right. And and that's the thing they have, they have a nice bit of time off and then they get into a game on the 17th, 22nd, 25th and 30th. So they have like a good 10 games, 10 days off between Chicago and Toronto, which by the way, that Toronto game still don't know where that's going to be played. Could be Orlando, could be Toronto, Nobody really knows. What we do know is Philly at home, New York at Yankee Stadium, Atlanta at home. Yeah, not a, I mean, even with Atlanta and not really looking like they're in form, like that's still like those are still three really tough games back to back to back. Granted, then you get then you get Miami, Cincinnati and Nashville and Chicago. And then Miami again. So, you know, you get three hard games and then you get rewarded basically with, you know, your next five or not so much. Although Nashville is actually kind of good this year. So true. Nashville only lost once. So that's a, that's something. That's so weird, isn't it? Like, yeah. Soccer Moses leading them to the promise. There you go. Soccer Moses. Let my people goal. That is the most MLS thing you could have. Like I it, yes, but I love yes. it. No, I I'm not I'm not discouraging it. I'm saying it's great. It's the most MLS thing you could have. Soccer Moses playing in uh, a pre-game guitar riff for Nashville. Well, here's something I just realized. Nashville, as we pointed out, have only lost one game so far this year. That one team they've lost to, New York Red Bulls. What is it what is it with Red Bulls playing like good teams and beating them? And then, like, playing, like, dog shit against, like, uh, let's see here. Well, actually, that tends to be what bad teams actually, do, though. I, They'll, I like, mean, play well when they shouldn't and then be bad the rest of the time. I mean, to be fair, the teams they've lost to are Sporting Kansas City, Galaxy, Philly, Revs. So it's not like they've lost to bad teams. They've actually lost to good teams. Yeah. I don't know. MLS is weird, but we all know that. And that's why yeah. we love it. That's why we're here talking about it. Super weird, weird MLS things. All right. Well, that's that's all I really wanted to talk about for Orlando City. Let's talk about uh, the Orlando Pride. I guess so. E, yikes. Back-to-back losses uh, for the Pride. And Ali Krieger gets hurt right before halftime. Nothing matters! Nothing has any consequence! Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about the pride right now. Like, yeah, nothing matters. This, this, this looked cool, but yeah, I guess in the end, it, it's the same it's always been. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't. They're not, not first anymore, so they're bad. That's how. That's how it goes. Oh, oh okay, so that's how it works, right? If, if they're not first, you're last. Yeah. Got it. They also like again to to set the stage. Uh, teams. Uh, they're in second place. Teams three and four have a game in hand on them. Gotham has two games in hand on them. Um, so yeah, but they're playing against Louisville. That's the next game for Pride. 
Yeah, but I mean, again, to 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 bring up my previous Cassandra point, the Pride are one, two, and two in their last five. Like, mm-hmm. it's not great. It is not great, but also they've they've been hit by injuries, international call ups, etc. So, back to this game specifically against the North Carolina Courage. Not great, Bob. This was their last game with Allie Riley potentially because she'll be called up for New Zealand. They had Allie Krieger get hurt in 45th minute. Still don't know how her prognosis didn't look great though. Then you had Femi McLernan who was in a walking boot because she's hurt. So through the entire back line, Courtney Peterson was the only healthy normal starter that you will have for the next game against racing Louisville. Yeah, not, not great. Because considering that Orlando has really pushed hard the defensive aspect of things for their team this year, not having three of your four starting back line players can be a big detriment to your team. Yeah, I mean, maybe this forces them to start Amy Turner pretty quickly. I think, no, I think they will. I don't think they wanted to rush her into things, but... But I think they've kind of they kind of have their hand forced in that, really. Yeah, they don't really have much of a choice. So Amy Turner got a couple minutes the other day. Uh, the plan was to get her a couple minutes, anyways, but not necessarily in those circumstances. Especially if Allie Krieger went down, they weren't going to play her for forty-five minutes. Um, that oh, wasn't no. the plan. Yeah. So Kanye Plummer did really well, though. I was very impressed with her. Tony Presley. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, let's just say she had a rough first game back playing. Conceded the penalty, almost uh, turned the ball over a couple times. I, I'll I'll chalk it up to just first game back, kind of working through things. But yeah, yeah, you almost cost your team multiple goals as a center back, and regardless of if it's your first game back or not, that's that's not. It, that's inexcusable. It's, it's kind of the, the state of the fact thing. She's been in this league long enough to to realize that the, some of the mistakes she made were just not good. And the hope is, you know, she, she works her way back into the fold and, and gets some more playing time. But depending on who is healthy and who is not, I think you'll start seeing maybe more Konya Plummer and Amy Turner rather than Tony yeah, Presley. That that seems to Yeah, I think I think that might be what you'll end up seeing there. Mm-hmm. Ashlyn Harris, fantastic as always, did some did some good things, but that's expected. Uh the second goal that the North Carolina Courage scored I sat there scratching my head for a good couple minutes just thinking like how did they let that happen? I don't. I don't know. Brad, you saw the game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was one of those where, I mean, ugh. I don't know. It, yeah. So uh, Havana, Havana so many- Solon, Havana Solon, in the 66th minute, found herself completely unmarked in the middle of the box. Had enough time to get the ball, stop it at her feet, then shuffle her feet towards goal, and then kick it in the back of the net without any pressure coming towards her none whatsoever it i mean it's a good goal but it's just you hate being on the other end of it yeah well the way that mark said it's it was basically two goals conceded by mistakes oh did we not mention that the pride signed kylie Schramm either like, i was about to get to that yeah after so, we after we got past this game i was gonna yeah. talk about kylie Strom. um but Dabinia in the third minute capitalized on a Maggie Doherty Howard turnover, which like that's the one person you do not want to turn the ball over to because she can just torch your entire back line. And she did. She she scored in the third minute by taking the ball off of MDH, taking it right into goal and scoring. And as we all know, goals change games. That that's a matter of fact thing. Goals do change games. It's one of those where you, you kind of look back on it and it's like if some things go the other way, then it's probably a different result. Like uh, Havana Salon's goal 
did require the entire back line missing a clearance that what that went from the the left side so i don't know it's one of those where it looks good but that's only because like it needs so many things to happen in order for that to work mhm like i'm just i'm rewatching it right now and the, bat, the there's a part of it where yeah there's 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 just a few breakdowns in the defense there that that goal probably doesn't happen without it. I I think that there's a lot to work with for Orlando. Um, there's there's still positives that you can take from that game. They had 19 shots, 19, 9 on goal. They created a lot more chances in the second half. They looked a lot more dangerous. Um, the issue was that everything was just off. Like yeah, the even, crosses were off. Like it just passes were off. They were creating good chances, but not good scoring chances. If that no, makes any sense, there's a like there's a there's a good there's a good opportunity that the pride had around like the 37th minute, and it just was not a good shot selection. Like, um, I'm trying to see here who took it. Um, but I mean, it, it's from like the top center of the box and the keeper's just like okay yeah i got this like mm-hmm. murphy was not challenged by it like at all so. no she had nine saves yeah also. it's it was just it just looks like a lot of poor shot selection i guess is really the one thing that like keeps cropping up and that, that i mean if you're not gonna if you're just gonna put it on net but not actually challenge the keeper like you're not really doing anything yeah I having Taylor Korniak back was helpful considering that you didn't have Alex Morgan. Mm-hmm. But there were so many times, and I noticed this, like Sid Sidney Larue was playing up top, and Taylor Korniak was on the on the left. And there were so many times where a pass would go to probably where Sidney Larue would be playing on the left, and Taylor Korniak just wouldn't be there. It's like muscle memory where like you get so used to playing with certain players that you expect them to be in certain places. Mm-hmm. And you could see it throughout the game where passes were going to places, not necessarily players, because they assumed players would be there. And because of the ever-shifting lineup and the way players tend to you know, roam and do their own thing while playing in the flow of the game, they just weren't there. And I think that kind of disrupted some of the way the Pride have been playing is because they've had a, a fairly consistent lineup throughout that winning streak. And now that they've had to upset the quote-unquote apple cart, they have struggled to play the same way. Yeah, I think that was, that was was it Korniak who had that opportunity when I was talking about earlier? But yeah, the, the, just piggybacking off what you're saying, like not really being flexible with how they're attacking is, is really making the most of their opportunities too, is is probably the two biggest things for the, for this team really is just Mm -hmm. making better decisions with the ball when you're in a pretty good opportunity to score. Like, I don't know what the XG on that, that shot would have been, but man, that, that probably should have been a goal. Many things should have been a goal for that game, but, we we move you you move on you get to play the uh, expansion team Louisville racing Louisville who they're not great they're not bad but they're not great three four and one yeah. overall um, they they've lost I think three of their last five with like a smattering of wins in between yeah they're they're two. Oh, and three in their last five. So it's a good opportunity to bounce back, possibly jump back up the standings into the top. It's it's easy to say, like, oh, we're injured and we're missing so many players, but it's like, yeah, but so are the Courage and the, the Thorns. and like, Yeah, they're missing. I, I was looking at it the other day. The amount of international players that are gone per team. Take a guess how many international players are gone for the, the most international players for an NWSL team are gone. Like who has the most international players that are gone? Who would you say? I mean it's I mean it's the Thorns, right? It's not. No. 
Portland has uh, five players. There's a team with six. The rain? Nope. No. They only have uh they have four. My next it's a team you wouldn't be, expect. My next guess was gonna be Chicago. No, Chicago only has four too. Um, it's Houston. Yeah, all right. Houston has six. Jane Campbell, Alyssa Chapman for Canada. Uh, Jane Campbell for U.S. Uh, Rachel Daly for England. Christy Mewis for U.S. Nichelle Prince and Sophie Schmidt for Canada. Hmm. I mean, I guess I would pick Houston. I mean, that's their third and fourth. So, I mean. It's yeah, also- well, here, here's the thing. Houston, the other day before they beat O.L. Reign, were in eighth. Yeah, but that's – but I mean – that's just shows like how tight the league is right now. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're in fourth, but if they, they have a game on the pride, I mean, they don't on the courage, but I don't know. They're, they're not that far off the rest of the league. Like realistically, if you're anywhere between fourth and sixth, you're not that far away. Even Gotham, like, they have two games in hand on the pride. And so let's, let's just say they get another six points. Suddenly they're in first place. It's, it's a very, very close confines of standings for the NWSL. Yeah. And it's, it, again, it's still so but, early but on. But I mean, that's You're also the nature see... of having 10 teams in your league too. So this is, this is very true. Like it's going to be tight. Hmm. Yeah. Well, unless you're Kansas City. Yeah, unless you're Kansas City, but that's but that sets up its own sort of unique problems. I mean, I guess you could you probably should have Louisville in that same boat, but you can also say that Louisville have sort of outperformed what you'd expect from them, really. Yeah. I, I would say, I mean, three total wins on the season, which is the same as Gotham, Washington, and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Heck, it's only one less than the Pride right now. Pride just have more draws. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say, I would. I mean, Kansas City haven't won a game yet, but Louisville having three, you know, it's it's not it's not a a bad team, really. No. And here, here's I, I'll move on from NWSL talk here in a second. I just want to put out something crazy. Racing Louisville is the expansion team. Kansas City basically inherited Utah's roster. Yeah, that's not like they they had to reconstruct their whole team from scratch. So, I don't like know. Like Louisville. Yeah. There's not I, I don't really know what the issue there is. Don't know. Is it- Interesting to note though. Anyways, um July 9th, 7 o'clock, Orlando, Louisville at home at Exploria Stadium. You can get your tickets now. Or you can tune in on Paramount Plus, or if you're international, on Twitch. Or if you just fire up that VPN. Yeah, funny enough, the VPN doesn't work. No. No, I I tried it because I called I called a game on Twitch the other night with Houston and OL Rain, and I was like, oh, let me go watch back the game, and I fired up my VPN, and it's like, nope, you're using a VPN. See, that's gonna go be away. that's gonna be the next thing that a lot of these companies figure out is that, Oh, you're using a VPN. Yeah. Like this whole industry of VPNs exists, but all it takes is companies to be like, all right, well, we'll just right. find ways we'll just, to, we'll just, we'll just, we, just yeah. we just won't allow connections from VPNs. That's all. Yeah. We'll find a way. Like if, if you really want us to, but yeah, <laughs> it definitely opens up a whole new can of worms. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's it for the Orlando Pride. Uh, we'll talk about Euros in a second because, well, by the point by the time this episode comes out, what we talk about in terms of Italy, Spain will be completely old news. So unless you guys have anything to say about Italy, Spain, or anything else, is is it coming home? It's a coming a home to Italy. So that's where. It- <laughs> That's uh, that's my take on it. Just uh, Kyle, imagine you're still there. Imagine Mario saying it's coming home. That's all you need to hear. Yeah, I can't really. Yeah, I uh, my whole bracket's been absolutely fucked several times. Well, you have a new so. opportunity: Italy, Spain, England, Denmark. Who's in the final? Who wins? A- actually, if if England win, 
I I still win money. So I. So you're rooting for, for England. England Good to know. I think I think Italy is the best team, but I am rooting for England. Perfect. All right. Like I said, by the time this episode comes out, what we talk about will be completely old news. So we're going to move on to something that's already happened uh, that is relevant. The Orlando City U-17s won the MLS Next Cup in penalties. Super exciting penalty shootout, not necessarily the game. It was a nil-nil draw uh, that went straight to penalties after the 90 minutes. And that was the second game in that tournament run that Orlando City's youth team won in penalties. Definitely some very interesting names, performances. A lot of these guys, you know, we've talked about Thomas Williams, who's the 16-year-old center back that just signed a MLS homegrown contract. Kimball Guadalupe, who's a Peruvian national player. He's he's in, within the youth system he's probably going to be another signing for this team. I think at, at some point, um, it's just a matter of, of trying to get him enough academy time to get him a homegrown contract, because right now he hasn't spent enough time there. You got a kid by the name of Gonzalo Agostoni Chagas, who scored a, an incredible goal uh, against the LA Galaxy where it was like the just a completely awkward angle. That was in the quarterfinals. Semifinals, they beat uh, Sacramento Republic 2-1. to one. Uh, Ethan Subachan scored uh, one, and also uh, Agostoni Chagas. Uh, Isaac Delgado, the goalkeeper, who he just looks like a child. He, I mean, he is. He's like 16 years old, uh, but... He's just, he's very small for a goalkeeper, uh, but came up with massive saves in their round of 16 shootout against uh, St. Mary's of Minnesota, as well as the final, where I believe he came up with two saves. Uh, one one shot was missed, two were saved uh, by Delgado, and he was the uh, winner for Orlando City who as he saved the final penalty. And that was against uh, PDA, Player Deve- Development Academy out of New Jersey. As Orlando City was losing to the Red Bulls, the U-17s were winning the MLS Next Cup playoffs. I think this is this is probably the one of the biggest indicators of the hires of Oscar Perea and Luis Muzi, is that if they're really looking to replicate the success that they had with FC Dallas's academy, and now we're starting to see that, oh, uh, the Orlando City Academy that had previously really been directionless year after year after year, like the the sort of the makeup and, and identity of it seemed to be pretty amorphous and really changed every year, it seemed like, wh- how serious the team was going to take it. Now, with those two guys being in charge, I think now we're starting to see like, oh no, we are taking this very seriously. And we're going to invest in it, and we're going to be successful at it. And I think one of those things is we saw with FC Dallas the other day is that they started playing a lot of their younger players. And I think now we might see some of that a couple of years down the road with Orlando City. Is you know as we've seen already, we we do have a, a homegrown that has started now what two games for us this year. Mm-hmm. So I, I it didn't take very long for that same sort of identity to sort of uh take hold here so really that might just be a bigger sign of more things to come down the road yeah and and, and again i do want to give a quick shout out to javier carrillo uh the u17 head coach and the assistant academy director he has been great with the development of some of these players and definitely somebody who has uh, shaped kind of the the future of Orlando City. You know, he's made a name for himself now with Orlando City. So definitely something, uh, somebody to watch out for in the coaching aspect of things. Yeah, I think as as players start to develop more in the academy, then I think we're we're probably going to see that same sort of reputation that FC Dallas's academy had start to build for Orlando City's as well. Hmm. All right. 
Last thing when it comes to just general overall soccer news in the area, the Central Florida Panthers, they took on the best team in the NPSL division that they play in, the Sunshine Conference, I believe it's what it's called, the Sunshine Conference division. Don't know why it's called that. Anyway, uh, they took on Miami United, a team that actually Orlando City played in the U.S. Open Cup many a year ago. And Panthers drew 2-2. What's interesting to note about this game, they only had 13 healthy players with them, uh, which means a starting 11 and two on the bench. Sounds bad. Uh, which, Yeah, no, not great. Uh, but still managed to pull out a 2-2 draw over the best team in the conference, who are now the second best because of the draw. So not, not a bad result, all things considered. That was their second to last game of the season. And now... Uh, they will be playing their final game once again away from home, uh, unfortunately. Um, but their uh, their final game will be in Boca against Boca Raton FC on July 10th at 6 o'clock. That game will most likely be streamed somewhere. Do not know where. And there you go. That's That's the local soccer roundup here for the Orlando Soccer Show. Now... Let's finish out the show. Weird news, red cards, you know the deal. Gentlemen, who's got some good weird news for today? Oh, I've got one. Go for it. Man arrested after police say he tried to sell duct-taped iguanas from his SUV. A Gwinnett County man in Georgia has been arrested after police say he bound nearly two dozen iguanas with duct tape and tried to sell them out of his SUV. Huh. Any, Any more about that? I mean, he was selling them for ten bucks a pop. He didn't think it was illegal. It's not really much more other than a man selling some duct taped iguanas, which I think is pretty weird in and of itself. Don't uh, don't buy and sell iguanas, kids. See, I thought for sure this was in Florida because if you spend any amount of time in South Florida, you just know how overrun it is with iguanas and how during the winter time the iguanas will just fall out of trees because it gets so cold that they don't have the like heat to sort of regulate them and keep them like because they're cold-blooded obviously so they don't sort of get the energy that they need to basically function but yeah georgia man selling duct taped iguanas out of the back of a truck also sounds very appropriate i don't think we really give enough like thought to georgia man like he is he's like the dirtier version of florida man it's well and it's oftentimes just a florida man who moved north yeah but only slightly yeah i mean the border between florida and georgia is very small pretty sure the rest of the country would be okay with building a wall um on the florida border brad you got one i've got one yeah, I don't know if you guys have. Do you guys spend a lot of time watching like uh, HGTV, like the the like love it or, or leave it, lease it, whatever, mm, flip it, no. love it or flip it shows? Well, it, it, if you haven't, you can't. Like a lot of them get filmed in Vancouver, which if you know anything about Vancouver, like the housing market there is just kind of ridiculous, really, and like mm-hmm. homes are way expensive for really no reason at all. Um, uh, this bathroom with a bed was listed as a micro suite for $680 a month in Vancouver. Uh, the listing claims the suite is 160 feet squared, uh, which is 90 square foot less than the uh, city defined minimum. Um, it was placed on, it was a listing placed on Craigslist and was flagged for removal less than 48 hours being posted. Uh, it, just looking at pictures of it, yeah, it's literally like. Um, like a cot, like a mattress set up on a countertop uh, in a bathroom is what it, it just kind of looks like. And this was listed at $690 a month. <laughs> um, which again, 160 square feet for $690 a month. Which is um, just, it's about, it's about $900 less than what I pay for my house in rent a month so take take that take that what you will hmm. a 160 square foot micro suite which is a bathroom versus yeah a house but then you you don't get to live in vancouver 
Oh, yeah. Do all the fun, exciting things I get to do in Vancouver. Such as? Ride the train to Seattle. <laughs> the only reason to go to Vancouver is to get out of Vancouver, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it kind of sucks. It's 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 got nice aesthetics. Yeah, if you're just going to a city for vibes, I mean, Vancouver would be fun, but otherwise, like, there's not a whole... It's got good vibes. Yeah, there's not much There's there not much to do. to do. I mean, it's really, no. yeah, it's vibes in, a, in rain. That's all you're doing. Yeah, funny enough, when I was in Vancouver, it Legal did not weed, I guess, rain. is the other thing. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And the Whitecaps. Yeah, but why would you go to Vancouver to watch a Whitecaps game? They come vibes. They come. They come down here. <laughs> they they do. They're not even there any, right now. Anyway, no. Are they Are they playing in Seattle? No, I think they're playing in Salt Lake right now. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Seems like the easy thing would be to, to do is just play in Seattle. No, no, it, it, that, that's too easy for them though. I mean, I guess it's the same thing. Like, but like Toronto could just play in Buffalo. Like, there is. There's a place where a professional soccer team once yeah. played in Buffalo. It's true. But then they'd have to be in Buffalo. Yeah. If Toronto had a choice between Florida and Buffalo, which would you choose? Yeah, would you rather be close to Disney World or Buffalo? Niagara Falls. That's, I don't know. I guess, I guess <laughs> being able to have my fans attend a game, I guess, would be cool. No, but they don't. They don't allow fans to attend their games. That's the whole thing. Yeah, they could be letting them do it now, and they're choosing not to, so I doubt it's because of the location. Yeah, but if it were in Buffalo, it would be way easier to facilitate that. I feel like they're not allowing any fans in like a facility that's not their own. Actually, Vancouver, I believe, did allow fans... Yeah, that that really seems more like a team policy than anything else. Like, I don't, I don't, I think that's just it's it's Toronto because they're playing in Explorer Stadium, not wanting to like let city fans take up all their tickets. I guess. Yeah, I mean that that would be that would make total sense. Well, and, and we talked about this before on the show, but like, there's no way Orlando would let them take home the gate receipts. No, for playing in their stadium, no. like like that. No. And I go, yeah, go ahead and take it. So, all right, all right, Austin, Austin do you have a do you have a weird news for us? I do have some weird news, uh, and it just happens to be a Florida man. Florida man accused of shooting at police because he thought he was being controlled in a video game. Twenty-five-year-old Florida man has been charged with attempted murder after shooting at police officers from his balcony, claiming he thought he was in a video game. Was not me, I swear. Uh, this was in Boca. He fired 13 rounds from a 40 caliber Sig Sauer handgun from the balcony to the street below, hitting one cop car's tire and piercing the other's roof. He believes that someone had poisoned him, an officer wrote in the affidavit. He believes that he was being controlled in a video game and that his actions were being controlled by somebody else. He was inside a game similar to Grand Theft Auto. Hmm. hmm. He was charged with two counts of first-degree attempted murder and law enforcement officers and unlawful discharge of a firearm. Can't wait to to hear his uh, his defense. But you guys silly. I'm still gonna send it. Yeah, I mean we don't we don't know. Maybe maybe he had a reason to think he was in a video game. I think he should be heard out. I don't know. Maybe his like roommate had a controller and was like making a move or something. Yeah. We don't we don't know what's out there. Cue, cue the X Files theme song. I just like to think that this is the what his roommate was saying as he hit a cop car. Motherfucker, don't miss. No, he's fucking good. That motherfucker don't miss, man. <laughs> he's good. In the heat of battle, he don't miss. No. Good lord, there's too many Florida man stories. Well, I mean, we've we've gone over this before, but a lot of that is because like all of it's it's all like arrest records are public record in florida so like anyone could just grab them i i have a story that i need to share as a extra weird news story 
Florida man that goes by the name of Shaft Bang Adams was caught by police hiding meth in his penis. Yeah, it's pretty pretty mm. normal. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. His name is Shaft Bang Adams, and there were rocks of crystal meth found in the foreskin of his penis. Oh, my God! Wow! You were so confident with foreskin, and then when you got to penis, you were a little penis. more hesitant. I was thinking of, like, just saying dick, but no. Wow, wow, is very nice. <laughs> well, it's much better to say penis. Uh, four crystals, white in color, according to the affidavit. It's good that they had to clarify what color they were. Yeah. He spent eight days in jail and posted $2,000 bond. He's been arrested more than 20 times in his lifetime, including domestic assault, battery, possession of a controlled substance, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and false imprisonment. Seems like a fun guy. Shaft Bang Adams. Good Lord. All right. And uh, with that fun story, let's go red cards. Anyone have a good red card for this week? Oh, I do. Go for it. My red card goes to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm. And a lot of you may be thinking, oh, but you don't follow baseball. And you would be correct because I'm a Pirates fan and it is miserable. I went to a game at Pittsburgh this last weekend. It was painful. Baseball is bad unless, of course, the Pirates are good, in which case I love baseball. But to reaffirm my position that baseball is bad, if you are not familiar, Trevor Bauer, who is a player for the Los Angeles Dodgers, is a piece of shit who abuses women, sexually abuses them. There's a very graphic story in The Athletic about what he's been accused of doing. It is very... We'll just go with very graphic. I don't want to get into it too much because it it can be a little bit disturbing. Um, But the man is lower than human filth. And the Los Angeles Dodgers, instead of doing like the normal thing and saying, yeah, well, you know, we're going to suspend him through all of this and, you know, do do what we should do. They went, well, the initial response was, well, you know, he's going to travel with us and he's still going to start on whatever day it was that he was scheduled to start. And, you know, we're, we're going to leave it kind of up to the league. I understand that an organization wants to punt things to the higher ups when it's like, Hey, the guy may have done drugs or he may have gotten a, a ticket or, you know, arrested for a misdemeanor. But when you are doing the things that Trevor Bauer has reportedly done, as an organization, you need to immediately come out and and take a hard, firm stance on that. And they absolutely did not. And they are still continuing to be giant pussies about it and letting the league make the decisions. Baseball is a very old school sport, so it shouldn't surprise me that they're taking an old school approach to something this heinous. But it is frustrating nonetheless. So my red card goes to the Los Angeles Dodgers and I suppose baseball um, Major League Baseball as as an organization. Yeah, uh, that that's fair. Brad, you got anything? Yeah, um, I'm giving my red card to um, global climate change. Uh, you guys, you guys seen this? You guys heard of this? This global mm-hmm. climate change. Uh, more specifically, um, the fact that we're already at uh, E for Elsa, and it is July. Um, I don't know if the the first major hurricane I can remember in my life was Andrew back in 1992. And that was that Andrew made landfall in August. That's Andrew with an A in August. For those of you who don't know this, hurricane names are are in alphabetical order. Um, So A being in August makes sense. It's not early, early in hurricane season, but it's also, you know, like, hey, this happened in August. We're at E and it just turned into July like a week ago. Um, that's a lot. That's not great. <laughs> we're getting a lot of, we're getting a lot more storms, a lot more frequently. Um, uh, ice, uh, ice caps are melting at a, at a extremely, uh, in- increasingly roaring rate. Um, not to not to go full Bo Burnham on it, but yeah, the the world already ended, so that's my red card. 
I'd also, I'd, I'd also like to add on an additional red card to Felicia Rashad and anybody else whose response to the freeing of Bill Cosby was some form of, yay, good for him. I would like to give you a red card and just a giant fuck you. We're ending the show on a real down note this week. I mean, it is red cards, so... Yeah, but I mean, tends, tends to go. They're usually like a little cheeky, or you know, we we try to we we try to keep it light sometimes. Can we give a yellow card to Gavin for not being here? Hey, yeah, why why did we not? And you're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. We 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 on the show's injury. We report, missed our chance to fire. It Gavin. Does say Gavin Eubank out coward. This is true. We did not start the show with Fire Gavin. Hashtag Fire Gavin. Yep. I, he just didn't respond. Like we're just like, hey, you you up for recording? It's just like he he did uh, a Brent. The old, he pulled the old Brett pet kiss on us. Yeah. First he wanted to be me. Now he wants to be Brent. He's already ha- he's already halfway there. If I wanted to be anyone from this group, I feel like Brent, you know, is is doing pretty well in life. But he's not making hashtag content, so you know, what a waste. Diarrhea. And on that diarrhea note, I think we'll end the show there. Don't swim in a pool if you have diarrhea, according to the CDC. They have a fancy gif to inform you of why that's not a good idea. Listen, Google it. It's worth Dr. it. Dr. Fauci couldn't make me wear a mask. He's not going to make me. He's not going to be able to make me swim where I want when I want to swim. You you can't stop me from shitting my pants. This is America. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Kyle Foley and Brad Newton. I've been Austin David. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the week that will be for Orlando City and Pride and the beginning of Gold Cup. Woo. International. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later. 69, dudes!